Let him have it, Chris. 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 There's a button and a switch for everything. What's that? You're listening to Aerial View worldwide on the internet. No tricks now, Chris. of all this? 
rapidly approaching a moment of truth both for ourselves as human beings and for the life of our nation. Now, truth is not always a pleasant thing, but it is necessary now to make a choice, to choose between two admittedly regrettable, but nevertheless distinguishable environments. One where you got 20 million people killed and the other where you got 150 million people killed. Mr. President, I'm not saying we wouldn't get our hair must, but I do say no more than 10 to 20 million killed, tops, uh, depending on the brain. I am so tired of these commies, you commie bastard. You remember when you would, uh, you'd want to insult your friends and you'd call them a commie? Or a pinko even, you pinko bastard. Communist. Yeah. Now it's socialist, of course. If you want to tar and feather someone politically, you call them a socialist. Then... By socialist, what you really mean is that you don't like that things are equal finally. You don't like that things are equalizing. That that people are coming up in the world. You want to keep them down. You know why? Because you're an asshole. That's why. You were born an asshole. You're going to die an asshole. You're an asshole right now. You'll be an asshole all your life. It's me, Chris T, here on Aerial View on the HoundMYC.com every Sunday. Hound House, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, followed by Catch in the Pie. Do-Up Chop Shop of the Year with Mark and or Miriam. You got those do-ups on vinyl? That's what you need to ask them. You know who doesn't have do-ups on vinyl? Communists. That's who. Pinkos. I'm not going uh, to the socialist thing. I won't do that. What we are in this country is capitalists. I drink your milkshake. I drink it up. We drink your milkshake. And things are getting very odd in this country. I've been around since a month before the Cuban Missile Crisis. Of course, I was too young. I was blissfully unaware. A month old, laying in my crib, shitting and pissing myself, and my my fucking nervous system hadn't yet connected, and I was flailing my limbs, and I couldn't support the weight of my own head. Mind the baby's fontanelle! What the fuck did I know? about coming to the brink of nuclear war. Nuclear war. Shitting and pissing myself lying in my crib. Can't support the weight of my own head. Nervous system hasn't connected yet. Synapses. I'm just this mound of jelly. 
essentially, that needs to be fed. Nuclear war! And then, of course, I lived through the uh, Cold War, when we probably came close a few more times. And then I remember going to see The Clash in 1979. They were playing at the Palladium. Me and, uh, and Jeff Mashey, and I believe it was Adam March. And uh, we had gotten tickets, shitty tickets, to the show that ended up being on the cover of the London Calling album. That show at the Palladium in New York City. And we showed up. And it was a rainy, shitty day. It was the same day, matter of fact, that we all went to see Apocalypse Now up, uptown at the at the uh, Zigfield Theater on the big screen. Apocalypse Now. So after having our our minds blown by Apocalypse Now, we went downtown to see the Clash in the evening with uh, get this, the Undertones and Sam and Dave opening. Who thought that up? I have no idea. I, I, I Something tells me the band came up with that. And uh, talked their management into it. And years ago, some years ago, I, uh, I managed to interview Sam. Sam Moore. And I asked him, I said, well, how did you guys end up Opening for The Clash, for God's sakes. And he said, oh yeah, you know, that was the band, and uh, our management didn't understand it. <laughs> and he sort of uh, made this face, like it wasn't the best idea ever. Not that Sam and Dave weren't great. Not that I didn't love seeing Sam and Dave. But there were some people in the audience who uh, didn't want to see Sam and Dave. Let's just put it that way. That's not the point of this story. I've digressed, and forgive me. By the way, our special guest tonight on this What to Wear to World War III edition of Aerial View is none other than Keith Hartel, returning champion. Keith has uh, been a guest of mine more often than, than anybody else. Anybody else. Why? Why do you ask? Well, I think uh, Keith stays on top of the news. He's well-informed. He, uh, he's opinionated. And he's able to express his opinion. For all those reasons, he's going to be a guest. But you know what? We also got the phone number working if you want to call in real fast before I welcome Keith. 760-422-5528-760. I call AV is the number here. Join us on Aerial View. The point of that story wasn't me talking to Sam Moore about what the fuck were you doing on the bill with the clash and the undertones opening. But to tell you about the guy outside who was scalping tickets for the clash at the Palladium that night. And me and Jeff and Adam upgraded our tickets from the crappy seats to way up front. And and, and he sold them at cost, essentially, at face value. And as he was selling these tickets to us in the rain, he said, fuck this, I'm going uptown to the No Nukes concert. And that was the point of the story, because there was a time 
back in the late 70s, early 80s, when there was a push to, uh, to disarm the world of its nuclear weapons, to deactivate them, to decommission them, to do whatever the fuck you do with plutonium or uranium or whatever the hell they're, the atoms they're splitting, the uh, fissile material. Listen, I'm not a nuclear scientist. If I get any of this wrong, that's tough shit. I'm sorry. As my mother used to say, tough shit. <laughs> 760, I call AV. 760-422-5528. But yet here we are, once more, on the brink of a possible war, nuclear style. When you say it like that, it sounds like you're saying like it's Gangnam style or something. It's, it's not, it's not, uh, it's not good. This is a very fraught time to be alive, very anxiety-producing. But before I welcome Keith, again, the phones are open for just a little while. But before I welcome Keith, let's uh, do an upside-down update for just a moment, see what's going on in the news. And the news in this case is the New York Times. Some updates on what's going on with Biden's trip to Europe. He arrived at the Polish border with Ukraine on Friday to highlight the human toll of war. Meeting with U.S. service members before a planned meeting with refugees from Ukraine to see firsthand the humanitarian consequences of what he calls President Vladimir V. Putin's, quote, war of choice, unquote. Not long after Mr. Biden arrived in Poland, the Russian military signaled that it might be reducing its war aims after a month of a grinding war in which Russian forces have been met by unexpectedly fierce Ukrainian resistance and have failed to capture major cities across the country. Colonel General Sergei Rutsky said Russia would now be focusing on defeating Ukrainian forces in the eastern Donbass region, where Russian-backed separatists have been fighting a war since 2014. Hmm. He said the, quote, first stages of the operation, unquote, had been, quote, mainly accomplished, unquote, with Ukraine's combat power, quote, significantly reduced, unquote. But it is far from clear that the larger conflict might wind down. He added that Russia, quote, does not exclude, quote, that its forces will storm major Ukrainian cities, such as Kiev, the capital, though he said that taking them over was not a primary objective. Then, what the fuck is the objective? I don't get it. Eh, let's welcome Keith Hartel at this point and see if he gets it. Because I don't get it. Keith, do you get yeah. it? Do you get it? I, I, don't, I don't get it at all, man. I don't get it. Who gets I'll it? I'll tell you what. I, I, I know what I'm wearing to World War Three. What is that? Gore-Tex. Don't tell me. Gore-Tex. Any self-respecting man can wear is um, a manly, olive drab, like tight-fitting t-shirt like Zelensky wears. Like, you got to wear like that. You got to wear the Zelensky. The simple, manly, serious, you know, form-fitting, ready-to-move shirt. Yeah. Yeah, and you have to have your everyday carry items with you. And, And hopefully a very powerful sidearm as well. Yes. Yes. Uh, what do you think of this whole idea of now Russia, this guy, uh, Colonel General Sergei, Sergei Rutsky, 
saying that, ah, we never really were interested in taking Kiev anyway. Fooey. Well, I think it's a good sign because um, isn't it a kind of a thing? From what I, from my very little understanding, it sounds like almost like when we kind of decided that we were done with Desert Storm, we're yes. like, no, we basically won. We don't have to go to Baghdad. Like, didn't we do that? Like, I mean, yes. I know it's, the conditions aren't exactly the same, but like, you know, oh, we won. We're okay. <laughs> like, like didn't they kind of didn't Russia just declare victory basically and say like we didn't want that other thing? Well, um, yeah, I guess that uh, the idea that, you know, this is not going as quickly as they thought it would. Apparently, Putin thought they would just sweep in there and within 24 to 48 hours, the place would have capitulated and they would have installed a puppet government. And Bob's your uncle. You know, let's go down to the pub and and drink some uh, vodka. But it didn't go that way. Um, the yeah, world yeah. Uh, has united and uh, almost united. China's still on defense about this whole thing. Uh, although China's rethinking, uh, you know, the the unlimited friendship they pledged to Russia uh, before the, the Winter Olympics. They're now rethinking that whole thing. Like maybe that wasn't the greatest idea because China, of course, depends on us to buy all their shit. Hell, I was in a Lowe's and a Home Depot today. And I was surrounded by shit made in China. Yeah, yeah. yeah I don't yeah. know. Well, I mean, to me, it's it's just like anything that sounds like, like, you know, Russia has to, it's like if there's a stalemate where you have to, where both sides have to be able to save face is the only way that it ends as far as I understand. So like anything of like Russia changing their story to like, oh, we didn't want that anyway. Uh, no, we're, we're good. Um, I, I To me, it, it just sounds kind of reassuring in the whole spectrum of various realistically expected to hear things that are possible you know it is uh interesting though the military strategy that russia employs with uh this kind of invasion i uh-huh. like i have a a name for it i don't know if this is the official name that military strategists call it i call it the let's bomb the shit out of everything shock and awe baby shock and awe Bomb yeah. the shit out of everything. Yes. Well, mother of all bombs. The, the works. Mother, the mother of all bombs. Um, hmm. Now, uh, what do you think of the fight that he is waging uh, on the cultural front, Vladimir Putin? He uh, he apparently uh, gave a speech on Friday. That's today about cancel culture. Oh, well, I mean, I, 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 uh, here's why I have no opinion about it. I mean, or my opinion is only it is what it is and everyone knows what it is. But like, I don't know. Were you ever, have you ever been a viewer of RT News, RT America? No. RT America, all it has, at least that I've seen, it's all people like, remember that guy, Ed Sanders, who was fired from MSNBC? And they'll have Jesse Ventura. Um, yeah. Chris Hedges, like everyone who got fired from American media for being against the Iraq war. Okay. They go on RT America and they just sound like a bunch of like Bernie bros for real. And so, so all it is like Russia, like, so on that, that side, they'll pander to um, people like me, you know, whatever, like people that are left of Democrats and people that are very anti-war on the liberal side. Yeah. And then they'll pander to the right wing. Like they'll pander to every single person that doesn't like centrist neoliberalism. So I, 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 just, I don't think it's meaningful, but it is yeah. what it is. Yeah. 
Uh, Keith Hartel is with us. Uh, we are talking about what's going on with uh, this invasion that started, I believe, February 24th. It's now almost a month that uh, Russia has been invading, trying to take over Ukraine and uh, meeting resistance that perhaps uh, the theory is, Keith, that, um, you know, people are so scared of of Putin. They're uh-huh. they're so frightened that he's going to. You know, whatever the Russians do now, ex- exile you forever. I don't know. Tear your 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 nutsack off. Make you go through or, life without one. Kill you? Poison? Poison? Poison you? <laughs> they they poison you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The uh, the the theory is is that people are so scared of him that they won't tell him the truth. Like they won't tell him. By the way, uh, we 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 might meet very heavy resistance. This isn't going to be a cakewalk, Vlad. I'm just telling you, like he's got nobody, apparently, who would serve that purpose, serve that role. You yeah, see what I'm I, I just, I, I just don't, I don't trust anything I hear. Yeah. Um, just, I mean, you know, because I know, I know what they say about him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, um, but, you know, like it, 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 I don't know. I mean, it's like what I, you know, what it's, it's weird to try to think about, like, um. If we're going under the assumption that, like, America, like, we like to do war because we're run by the military-industrial complex and it's all, like, the evil corporations actually run everything. Yes. And then Russia, it's supposed to be that, no, Russia is this historically, fatalistically romantic, suffering people that would just love the idea of dying in an apocalypse. Yeah. But I don't, I don't know if that's a true distinction or not. But it, it does make it where, um, I, I don't know, it, it seems like, like, like there's no way to think about people around Putin, how they would, what they would be like if they didn't want to go to war, because it's almost like, I don't feel like we have an equivalent government. Like it's because it's not the same interests. Yeah. Like, I don't think that, I don't think Russia is as much run by business interests as we are. Uh, it's run from what I know of Russia and what I've read about Russia. And, you know, admittedly my sources of what goes on in Russia may be different than yours uh it seems like uh, after the fall of the soviet union there was mm-hmm. a great deal of corruption that took place uh, there was corruption prior to that but that you know we in the, the, there was invented this thing called the oligarch and right. uh that the, the kind of thing that goes on in russia i mean capitalism maybe because i've lived in uh, the system for so long i i understand it what i yeah. what i what i still can't really understand and fathom is the unholy combination of communism and capitalism that, for instance, you know, China has mastered. Russia apparently has not uh, because, you know, they they just haven't figured out. Um, And and it may be because the animosity, the classic uh, hatred of the West that they've had, you know, they can't lay it aside just to do business. China laid it aside and said, we're here to do business. We uh," and, and they brought... How many millions of uh, Chinese out of poverty over the last uh, however many years? And so they can, they've created a Chinese middle class. And you can't buy anything now that pretty much isn't made in China. It's a bit of a problem because then you get these global supply chain issues and you're wedded to a, uh, a, com- a country and a government that... Uh, by all uh, accounts, and again, Keith, you might have different accounts. You might have different opinions of this. But as a surveillance yeah. society 
and has been jailing um, religious minorities and trying to get trying to reeducate them. You know how that goes, right? China's oh, not yeah, very yeah. good at the whole reeducation thing. They keep trying, and um, so we. But yet we do business with them, and it's interesting because we we don't really do that much business with Russia. We do some business with Russia, but not nearly the amount that we do with China. And and now nobody wants to do business with Russia. Everybody has, has basically uh, canceled Russia economically. Um, China, not so much, but everybody else, essentially. Oh, North also, Korea. Also, from what North I understand, Korea. India, also an outlier, I believe. Yeah, yeah because they need the Russian China oil. India have the most people, though, right? Yeah. It's all about the, mm. Rus- the Russian oil. We need the oil. Give us the oil. Yeah. Uh, well, another thing, though, with, with China, I mean, I've definitely heard speculated with China very much, India, maybe not as much, but maybe some, um, that not only is because they want, you know, because they need the Russian oil, but because they like the idea of America not holding all the cards. Well, you know, listen, uh, whether or not America holds all the cards, the rest of the world turns to America when a crisis like this occurs. And looks to them for some kind of leadership and world standing. And and I'm grateful that it isn't Donald Trump in office right now while this is going on. I, I don't think, I think you'd be having a much different outcome. Um, and we can argue about what Russia's aims are. I mean, I think people, uh, every time I see something in the news about why is he doing this, there's a great deal of mineral wealth in Ukraine as well, and 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 wealth that will have a lot of uh, future value, especially because of the need for batteries. Right? There's a lot of stuff under the ground in Ukraine that's going to be needed to make the next generation of batteries to to power the green revolution. And so, I don't think that this is purely some kind of need to stitch back together the USSR that they keep saying about Putin. I do think there is a financial gambit here as well. And well, that, that, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, but I, again, I don't, I don't really see it discussed like just how much wealth Ukraine has that is available to plunder if you invade and you install a, a puppet government. So, yeah, oh, I know. think, I think that's because if, if they, they can't say that Vladimir Putin has, any rational motivation at all that's not purely self-destructive um and you know resources is rational even if it's wrong yeah um but um i don't know but but going back to the thing about like um not understanding russia because like my understanding of america is just and from watching the press covering this particular thing i did, did you see the biden press conference yesterday where the where they just said like hey um Biden, um, do you think that maybe you were too fast to say no nukes on the table? Um, because do you think that that made him Putin invade? Like they they asked Biden if he made a mistake by not threatening nuclear war. They asked him that yesterday in a press conference. Yeah, and Biden just is like no. Yeah, it's psychotic. Like the press is psychotically pro war, and I, I always take that as being you know the well. Which member of the press factor. are we talking about? I mean, there's a lot of different press that's represented at these things and maybe it was one of the it was it one of the ones from a news organization that aligns itself with uh, those who think that might is right and biden no, is weak uh, and I so mean, on and so forth now um yeah. I, it, 
base every single thing. I mean, if I don't know, from when I watch the news, if you watch like cable news, um, out of the three channels, there's one person who says like, oh, it would be really bad to go to war with Russia. That must be avoided at all costs. There's only one news show on any of the three channels that says that. And it's it's the worst show on the worst channel. So yeah. Um, so that's that's creepy to me. But my my larger point though is that like whereas Putin, I don't know if this is true or not, but it's been said that he holds more personal wealth than any other one person on earth. Um, and then he like you know the Saudis and stuff. He's in this category of people that they actually have no way of tracking as well. But like, you know, that's very different from our presidents who all have to you know get all kinds of like gigs after they leave off it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. our presidents are always owned and operated by, by uh, business interests. So I just think there's a mentality like a, or a psychological difference that, that we'll never quite get. What do you think about the uh, fact they keep, uh, they keep playing Tucker Carlson on the Russia state television? Well, that's, you know what, that's exactly the thing I was saying about RT America is like yeah. RT America says, said a bunch of stuff that was true. That was aimed at me, made me feel good. Um, Tucker Carlson, like, it's basically like, I mean, I have nothing following him on this, but I know the things that he says that other people also say that are supposed to be pro-Russian. And it's always some kind of like, well, this didn't happen for no reason. And, um, it's a very bad idea to be in a war with Russia. That's like kind of the two basic points. And those things are both true. So, you know, I mean, if that's aid and comfort, I, mean, I don't know. I, I, it's, I, I find the whole thing kind of tiresome and predictable. Yeah. Like, because um, I mean, in other words, like I'll think that Tucker Carlson will actually say a lot of things I would agree with, but I don't think it's, I think it was very likely for entirely cynical reasons. Hmm. Such as? Um, just what the cynical reasons? Yes, is that he 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 was he remade himself after Trump. Like he made himself fit this like kind of anti-establishment, um, pro-populist. Um, oh, I thought they were your reasons. Okay, you mean his reasons? Yeah, Tucker himself. Ah, yeah, yeah, okay. Tucker himself. Like and and also, but he became he's the biggest guy on all of cable news, let alone all of Fox. So he really remade himself because when he came out, like he's the most rich kid, CIA connected, fucking neoliberal. Started at CNN, invented Rachel Maddow, motherfucker. You know what I mean? Like that mm. guy is really just like he really was born to be one of these middle of the road Republican dudes, and he really he seems like a guy that saw an opportunity and an argument he could make. And he like he hosts all of these like um, all the progressive journalists that like will say shit that they won't say on the other cable news channels. He has them all. You know, like you'll have Glenn Greenwald, Jimmy Dore, Aaron Maté, um, Michael Tracy, like. You know, and again, he's like his own miniature RT right on Fox News. Hmm. But it's that same thing. Like, he'll, he'll have a lot of people that would say things that I would agree with. Uh, you know, whenever I talk to you, though, and especially about politics, I mean, if we're not talking about Black Sabbath, that's a different thing entirely. But I feel like I'm just a dupe somehow. Like, I'm being duped. Like, the stuff that I have come to believe about what's going on is, like, completely the official version pushed by the business establishment and I'm being duped. Is that, is that what's happening? Am I, am I being duped Keith? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I mean, I haven't heard you say anything that I was like, no, how could you say that you're obviously duped? Oh, okay. <laughs> so, I mean, it, you well, know, I, I haven't heard you say, say, said anything that sounded doopy to me yet. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it's like, 
I mean, a lot of you know, we've, we've seen Wag the Dog, right? Yes. So, I mean, to me, since you've seen the beginning of the Ukraine war, like how much Wag the Dog shit did you notice that you actually saw invented and then debunked in real time? And then people that put out the propaganda will yell at you for being a spoil sport for debunking it. Like, that's a new thing now. Like, they don't even, which is, which, and that's a funny thing because the thing that's been said about like, like Soviet era Russia is that, like, this is what people that lived under it said, is that it was a weird situation because all of the population knew that the government was lying to them and the government knew that the population knew that, the, that they were lying. You know, like both sides know everyone's lying. Yes. And America, we have the propaganda where we actually believe it and we believe we have freedom and stuff like that. And, you know, so I, I, I buy heavily into that, like our system is just like really the most well-equipped to, to fool the people. And then even outside the war, if you go into the other culture issues, but including very much the war, the 1984 shit is just, there's 1984 things happening right now that are just, I never would have thought really was going to happen. When you say 1984, you, sh- you shorthand for George Orwell, the pen name of, of uh, Englishman Eric Blair, who uh, wrote books like The Road to Wigan Pier and uh, Keep the Aspidistra Flying and uh, uh, Homage to Catalonia and... Oh, was that uh, Eugene O'Neill or was that Ernest Hemingway? I always forget. But uh, most famously, Animal Farm in 1984. You mean that 1984? Oh, yes, I do. Yes, I do. One of my favorite uh, authors in the English language right there. Mm. Uh, Very, very, very perceptive individual. And uh, so 1984 on on, on the part of the U.S. government, are we... Uh, making history disappear, or are we the well, brute I mean, that's forever smashing in the face? Um, yeah, but I mean, what I'm because what I'm seeing it is like there's well, there's a weird thing that as soon as we got back into this war with Putin, right, or Russia, or whatever proxy war, whatever you want to call this thing, um, it, there really became this tone of like, yeah, the Russians, you know, they have always been like this, and that's why we have always been at war with them. You know what I mean? Like, there's this whole middle period where, like, um, Clinton and Bush were optimistic about Putin because they thought that, you know, he might be another Yeltsin and we might be able to work him. You know what I mean? That we had hopes, like, there was this interim oh, period yeah, where we yeah, thought we were yeah. going to build a yeah, thing. Yeah, George W. said, I've, I've looked into his soul. And yeah, then, yeah. And, and it, there's a little bit of memory holing where it's kind of like, no, this is what they're like. Like, there's a little of that spin to the whole thing. Like, this is just what they're like and have always been like. And, of course, Putin was always like this. And it's like... Well, you didn't know he was always like this when he'd always been like this up to the year 2000, so I don't know. Do you know but, I came within uh, mere inches of Vladimir Putin? No, I did not know that. could have poisoned me. Uh, back, I think it was in 2000, uh, he showed up at NPR's New York Bureau to be interviewed. I forget which journalist it was on uh, All Things Considered, probably who interviewed him, probably the person who had been there the longest. Um, and I wish I could remember his name, but I, I really can't, Keith Artell. It, it, it barely matters. But the uh, the Russian, I guess they were the KGB, or who replaced the KGB? Who came after the KGB? I don't know what came after, but I know that Putin is from the KGB. He's so from the KGB. I don't know what his thing after that was called. They showed up a week beforehand to uh, you know check the place out and make sure that uh, there were no bombs or anything else and uh then he showed up 
and they had to walk him down. The, the best part was when he had to go use the bathroom. And, you know, in this building, by the way, this building was on 2nd Avenue just north of 42nd Street. And the other prominent tenants, how they may have owned the build, uh, the building, were pornographers. They, they put out stroke mags, as they used to call them. So mm-hmm. there's Vladimir Putin and, you know, NPR there. And they had to... And, and they had to walk him to the bathroom, basically, and they had to go and make sure that nobody else was in the bathroom before he went in the bathroom. It was a whole thing. But he yeah. was he was within mere inches of me. I could have taken him out, Keith Ortel. Yeah, yeah, you missed your window. I missed my window. Yeah. <laughs> but I just remember thinking back then, and you're right. I mean, back then, we, we didn't really know who he was. Uh, he was kind of an unknown quantity. And and he 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 put on a pretty good act of like uh, you know yeah maybe he's going to continue what the drunkard Boris Yeltsin had begun with his whole uh, policy of liberalization of Russia uh, and uh, too bad Boris Yeltsin killed his liver if he could have held on a few more years you know to me there was a lot of resonance in that hand picking of Putin to be his successor as when Hindenburg hand picked Hitler you know, to replace him as uh-huh. chancellor, right? And everybody thought they could contain Hitler and Hitler was going to be cool and they could work Hitler. And Hitler, you know, after the Reichstag fire, basically suspended mm-hmm. anything resembling law in Germany and took took over, you know. And Putin, uh, he's uh, he's been running things for a while now. If I met him back in 20... And 2000, that's 22 years at least. And he was at the helm prior to that, wasn't he? I mean, during the Clinton era. Yeah. 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 He came to uh, came to his rise. And so now, what is the end game, I, I guess? is uh, By the way, I, I said the show is called What to Wear to World War Three. You said olive drab t-shirt. I was going to go with something with a lot of pockets because I'm going to be carrying a lot of stuff. So... Well, now uh, I'm looking at a Zelensky with the olive drab T-shirt with a gray hoodie over it. Yeah, like war casual. I like it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm impressed that motherfucker's still taking air. By the way, like they didn't blow him all the hell, you know? Because well, I'm, they, I'm, they don't I'm, even know where he is though. Because every time we look at him, he's in front of a green screen. Okay. Well, hopefully they will never know where he is. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully. Yes, yeah. Uh, by the way, I believe it was Robert Siegel. Robert Siegel was the guy who probably interviewed Vladimir Putin. Uh, yeah. Anyway, um, what is the uh, what, what, what's the big finish for him? That's because you hear these theories that this is the thing. You know, Russian mothers aren't going to stand for it when the boys start coming back in body bags. Meanwhile, the Ukrainians, I spoke to, uh, uh, you know, I went and had my teeth cleaned and my annual checkup. Yesterday, and my hygienist was Ukrainian, and we started talking about our family back there. And I was saying, what about this idea of the Russian mothers? They're not going to like it when their kids start coming back in body bags. And she's like, they're not sending anybody back in body bags. They're burning the bodies because, you know, what are you going to stop to ship the bodies back? And I was like, maybe they should. Maybe they should get a flatbed truck and pile all the dead Russian boys on the flatbed truck and drive that fucker into Russia. You know, and let the Russians yeah. bomb it. If they want to bomb it, they could bomb it. Bomb their own dead children all the hell. That'd be some visual. And uh, anyway, things are tough yeah, over there. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know either. I don't know. I I, I just, uh, 
Sometimes I want some advice for living through all of this. What What is your best advice, Keith Hartel, for living oh. through all of this and not letting what's going on in the world drag you down to the point where you're, you know, mostly curled up in a fetal position saying, what's next? Um, well, um, well, first of all, the fetal position crying out what's next might actually be the rational move. But if, if it's not, I, I just say like, like just basically not believing things because we just hear things all the time and they're all over the place and we don't know what's true at all. And I mean, because to me, I mean, if I want to look for what makes me not scared, it, it's stuff like people ask. It, it's the fact that our press is so much more psychotic than our politicians are right now, because um, specifically the Biden administration, but the politicians in general haven't been saying too much wild shit about what we should do in Russia, as opposed to people that speak in the press or like whatever, like CIA people on CNN and MSNBC. Like they talk a lot more aggressively than our actual administration well, let me, let me, uh, let, let, let me, um, I hate this expression. Shall we drill down on that for a minute? Yes. Uh, I, now I wish I had the sound effect of a drill. That would be the thing to have. If I knew what I was doing, I would have lined one up prior to our whole conversation, Keith. Yes. I would have had it ready to go. <laughs> and it would have been like the, the, the teeth drill, not the drill that, uh, where you're putting up drywall. No, the one where it's all heard inside your head, that drill. Zzz, like that. Zzz. Yeah. One of those? Yeah. Uh, there's a theory out there that because the press is now, um, there's a lot of people, young people especially, who uh, could be described as, uh, you know, uh, very, very uh, identity forward, identity oriented, and very much yeah. about um, their identity as sort of, uh, you know, peaceful people. And, and they... Uh, they, they want to wage war for peace because they don't like seeing people getting killed and murdered on the news. So there's there's that one theory that the press is this whole cadre. There's a lot of people in the press who are frustrated because they don't like seeing death and dying. And so that's why they're asking Joe Biden, do you think you took nukes off the table too soon? No, and see, the, the, that's, that's, I think that's a crazy thing to think is that anyone that's just, that doesn't like death and dying asks if we're if, if if it's a mistake to not threaten nuclear war that's i think that's i think that's that to me does not hold up logically there's it doesn't hold, it's not logically consistent so who are these people well i think i think there's there's a it's a psychotic pro-war press which is for one thing uh war is exciting so it sells papers and gets views eyeballs clicks etc but i mean have you seen some of these articles coming out in like mainstream publications that are kind of like no, you know, technology is such that, I mean, I wish I had this in front of me, but like there's articles that say things like, you know, in the modern world, there could be like a kind of a new kind of smaller scale nuclear war that doesn't mean annihilation and we can win. <laughs> Have you heard that? Well, like they're saying shit. Like, yeah, yeah, they're, yeah. Right. Yeah. It, they're called tactical, tactical nuclear weapons, sometimes battlefield nuclear yeah. weapons. And that means that they could be used in a more limited Ways, but how do you keep the radioactivity from going up into the atmosphere? Is my question. I mean, what do you? Yeah. Well, what do you? What do you? What do you but, do? Well, see, that's a, that's a good question, but I think that my my question is a little bit before that, which is just like, why the fuck are you trying to persuade the public that nuclear war might not be that big of a deal? What the fuck is that? 
that's, that's psychotic. Well, it's- my reading of the article, the few articles I read about it, was a little different. I mean, in my reading, it was less about trying to uh, possibly inure people, inure people to the thought of it, but to prepare them for what happens if Putin hauls one out. Like the idea of like, well, he may haul one out, so we're, this is why it may not be so bad. Because yeah, it's but, filling well, me well, with anxiety, I'll tell you that. And but, let's, well, but let's back it up, because like, if he was going to haul it out, though, we were told all along what's supposed to be, like, what's the, what happened if he hauled it out? Is either NATO did something too aggressive or we did something too aggressive? You know, and remember that, and then you, of course, the no fly yeah, but too zone, aggressive um, according to practice, like too aggressive talk. according to whom? Too aggressive according to Vladimir Putin? I mean, why is he? Yes. Why no, is yes. that? Why is that the measure, though? Because whoever's the, the most craziest person that has nuclear bombs is the person you're fucking scared of. Like it's, I mean, that's just like you know. I mean, it's, it's not heroic. And it doesn't make a good movie, but it's like it's the same shit we were saying about Trump when he was the president. It's like this guy's so psychotic, he's irrational. Right. And also people – there is a good argument, which you know, you've heard me talk about this a lot. But when he assassinated Soleimani in Iran, they were expected to escalate into – like before he assassinated that guy, they, we were being told by CNN to get ready for like a drone thing, a, gr- a ground – some kind of ground presence in a drone fucking thing. And instead he assassinates one of their dudes and then just says, I will blow up every fucking thing in your country that you like. Yes, especially those historical monuments. I will blow those things up. And Iran just chilled. And he did something like that with Kim Jong-un, like brinksmanship. And so so there was a thing with Trump where some people thought, okay, it might be that he's so psychotic, people don't know if he'll do it. So it's like, to me, it's like, if they want to tell me that Putin's the most psychotic guy in the world and he has nukes, then I'm just kind of like, okay, well, let's make plan A to not have the nukes become a thing. That would oh, be me. Well, listen, I am with you on that. Nobody wants to see that. And again, I don't think my reading of these articles wasn't from the point of view of they're trying to grease the skids or get us, you know, boil the water slowly so we don't know that this is a possibility. It was more like, well, what if? If this happens, here's how it might go. And I am not at all reassured by even that approach because I still say, what about the radioactivity that goes up into the atmosphere and is carried along by the uh, currents? Yeah. Yeah. Um, What about that? Well, I mean, I'm just still sticking with, why are you trying to tell me that this isn't as bad as I think it is? I, I, like just, I, I, I just can't get past it. I can't get past it. And like, if you're saying like, Oh, well, I think it's more preparing people for what might happen. It's like, well, that's all they ever do is prepare people for stuff that might happen that they're trying to make fucking happen. Like, that's what the news does a lot. Yeah. So, I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's so, I just find the whole thing so, it's so 2003, 2004, 9-11, like, so many, like, everything that gets thrown out window justified, like, all, you know, you're told all kinds of things are really important all of a sudden, um, you know. So, like, such as, like, like the whole thing of, like, like say, Zelensky, if this is, they'll have Zelensky on TV going like, hey, if you're not willing to risk World War III, you don't care about freedom. Like, that's what they, they're broadcasting a guy from another country saying that to the citizens of America. And I'm just like, all right, if that's how he feels, I can sympathize with that. But, like, why are you trying, like, why do we want the citizens of America to just all be like, yeah, okay, we might have to accept that. It's like, we fucking don't. I mean, you know. Yeah, yeah. 
I uh, I hope there isn't World War through three. I mean, that's what my hope. Yeah, uh, I, well, I think I mean, I just I I don't think I don't think there will be because yeah. um, well, it's like a black swan thing. Like, so as long as there's not one, it seems like it's going to be a thing that won't happen until it does. But you know, I mean, I it's like I said, like um, our. It seems like our government has been very scrupulous about making sure that they're very clear, like no direct military intervention, no no-fly zone. So that they've been very clear about. And then if now, as of today, Russia seems like they're kind of trying to talk themselves down, maybe save face, um, yeah. that'd be nice. Yeah, well, I, uh, I know that... Um... Vladimir Putin mentioned J.K. Rowling uh, today, apparently, in his, oh, my, yeah, in his yeah, speech, yeah, 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 saying that she was canceled. Uh, apparently, her books, the Harry Potter books, very popular in Russia, and uh, she was canceled because, quote, she did not please fans of so-called gender freedoms, unquote. And then she released a statement because why can't I release a statement? I would love to release a statement someday. That would be great. Well, you can tell you could definitely release a statement. All right. Uh, quote, this was her statement, quote, critiques of Western cancel culture are possibly not best made by those currently slaughtering civilians for the crime of resistance or who jail and poison their critics, unquote, which is what, of course, she posted on Twitter because that's where you release a statement now is on Twitter. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, J.K. Rowling's a badass bitch, man. There, there you go. Does not approve of what's going on here. Um, yeah. So uh, what have we learned so far? Uh, olive drab with some kind of gray hoodie. Yeah. Uh, I think a lot of pockets. I also <laughs> I also probably would want it to be 100% cotton because, you know, sometimes you're wearing polyester and it just doesn't doesn't really doesn't really uh, breathe, you know? And, yeah. Uh, you're going to need to breathe. Believe me. Uh, anyway, very interesting speech today by Putin, where he basically said that uh, there's a, a, a Russophobia going on, that they're they're trying to cancel Russia. And, you know, this is what they do in Nazi Germany. So well, but that that part, I mean, I hate to say it, but you have seen some of this is definitely true. Oh, yeah. But those are morons. I mean, look, the Metropolitan no, Opera no, I mean, is well, doing well, was... Tchaikovsky as we speak. You know, the New York Philharmonic no. is doing Shostakovich, for Christ's sakes. Chicago... No, they, 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 fired, they fired someone from one of them symphonies, though. Really? They, they... What? They fired... they, there was some musician that wouldn't renounce Russia. And there was oh, like really? an athlete. They, been, they have fired a few people that wouldn't renounce stuff. They've taken off some entertainment that was Russian based. Um, Listen, and then uh, Russian owns businesses. Keith, have it's, a, it's America. We always overreact. That's what we do. It should be our slogan. Well, that, America, is, we overreact. It's Russophobia, though. That's that's well, what you have to call it. Well, yeah, but it's not. Is it's not this widespread blanket thing that he says it is. There's not. There's there's not people trying to you know cancel all of Russia, Russians' history. You know the history of Russia. I don't know. It, it's ridiculous. He's a ridiculous man, but this is, I don't know how this all ends because he's so ridiculous that he's not going to take it well if if this doesn't go the way that he wants it to go. I, I don't know what, when you say saving face, like what, how do we, how, how do we uh, draw everybody back from the brink and he gets to save face because if he doesn't save face, I don't think it's going to, it's going to go well for us. I'm just saying. Well, <laughs> you know um, what I mean? Well, 
Well, I, I, I mean, I, I'm almost, I don't know enough, but doesn't they, as it, like, they didn't want to get to Kiev, but didn't they get some kind of, like, land that connects Crimea to Russia that's in Ukraine? Yeah, like, didn't yeah. Didn't they get some kind of turf? Oh, yeah, the Ukrainians over? just uh, spoke about that, that they, that this was an aim of theirs ever since uh, 2014, you know, and the invasion of Crimea, they wanted to uh, have a route between Russia and uh, the Crimean Peninsula. And they now yeah, have so, that. So if Russia gets something like that, and then on top of that, they get some kind of assurance that uh, Ukraine can't join NATO. Yeah. Those two things. And that's enough to be like, okay, uh, we got what we demand. What about Madeleine Albright and what she tried to tell us? And what about Ginny Thomas and what's going on with her? Well, Madeleine Albright tried to tell us that, as you know, she told us that it was worth it to have 100,000 fucking dead Iraqi children. So whatever that cunt ever fucking said, uh, she could take a fly and fuck in the moon. She's in hell. She's evil. Oh, my God. Keith Hartel. Damn. Wow. I thought if you had nothing to say, nothing good to say about the dead. How does that go? Never mind. No, but that's wow. a murderer. All right. Not well, then what about Ginny Thomas? Wait a minute. Were you talking about Ginny Thomas just now? Or oh, Ginny, no, Ginny, Ginny Thomas. That's more fun than Madeline Albright. That's just wacky, bad Bad, bad, wacky fun, hmm. but like I mean, because it's it's no, it's you know, it is that's just what it looks like. It's it, I mean, it's fucking, it's all fucked up. Here's one thing I think about it though, is that there's a here's what I think about Ginny Thomas is that there's a thing about it that uh, they always like to say how um, we the Democrats or the liberals want to paint the Republicans as like more in the bag for Trump and stealing the election than they are. And I think that Ginny Thomas is actually, as far as how she's married to a Supreme Court justice. Yeah. And I've seen this with other people like that are kind of associated with other kind of commentators and reporters or whatever. It's I think there's a lot more kind of like what you would call like kind of normal person, conservative Republicans that were ready to um, try to reverse that election. And to me, I just think of it as. If in 2000 or 2004, I was being told by some Democratic authorities we might be able to steal the election back from Bush because he stole it, you know, I don't know. That would sound like that was talk that I mean, that used to be liberal kind of talk, except that we never kind of made a move towards it. But um, so so I think it's more. Of, so I think that the J.D. Thomas thing actually means it was more of a mainstream idea than um, we know or than we want to believe or something like that. I uh, I'm all out of time. How did it happen again, Keith Ortel? We're all yeah. out of road. Um, again, this is the HoundNYC.com, where you can hear on Sundays 3 p.m. Hound Howls, followed by Crash the Party at 5 p.m. Do up Chop Shop of the Air with Mark and Miriam. And uh, Keith, what's new for you? Are you any upcoming shows? Anything you want to uh, let us know about? Before we go, well, next month um, with uh, Tammy Face Starlight, my wife, we are doing the residency at Pangea every Thursday. Oh, nice. Well, uh, that is coming back once more. Is that yes. the Tamar show? Is that what that is? That is what it is. Yes. Yes. All right. Well, uh, go to, I hope they can go to where? Pangea.com. Where should they go for their yeah, tickets? Yeah. Yeah. Pangea.com or. Look at Tammy Face Starlight on Facebook. Um, either of those things. And uh, I, for me, I will be doing a little bit of a That Cave pop-up shop at 6th Street Antiques in Hoboken 
this Saturday and Sunday, 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. Going to have a table there full of stuff and some stuff outside, and I'll be minding the store. So uh, do drop in at 408 6th Street in Hoboken between uh, Grand and Adams, right around the corner from where I lived for almost 13 years on Adams Street in a shitty railroad apartment on the ground floor where uh, the cops, whenever they would want to get into the building to chase the near-do-well son of uh, the sister of the landlord, they would pound on my window. And uh, I would just have gotten stoned, and here come like six or seven Hoboken cops <laughs> pounding on my, on my window to get into the building. That was always fun. I'll be right around the corner from that. And uh, Saturday and Sunday, 11 a.m. to 6 p.m., 408 6th Street in Hoboken at 6th Street Antiques. A little bit of the That Cave pop-up shop feel. Man Cave and more, as I like to call it, Keith Arkell. Nice. uh, Yeah, stop by if you get a chance. It'd be lovely to see you. I will. I will definitely stop by. Yeah, stop in and we'll chat a little bit in person. But right now I'm going to turn you over to the Vintage Hound shows that you hear normally here. And uh, again, this show becomes a podcast wherever podcasts are heard it'll replay tuesday right here on the houndnyc.com and it was uh, great having you along for the ride see you again next time and here's hoping there is no world war three threaten me again Take your belongings with you and to get a receipt from the driver. Have a perfect day. Wow.